0: Right, let's turn to the Word of God. So at the moment, uh, I understand you're going through the book of Proverbs, which is, as you know, from the Old Testament. It sits right between the book of Psalms and between the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's known as one of the wisdom books. At first glance, uh, the Proverbs can just appear to be like a collection of random sayings. They are a bit like that, aren't they? They just come one after the other really quick, and sometimes they can appear to be a random collection but if you read them through and if you think through them carefully, you'll quickly see that each one of them, every single one of them, can have real and relevance importance into our lives. See, the, ascent, the proverbs for me are essentially about real life wisdom. And I don't know what your life's like, but I know what my life's like, and I need wisdom. I have joy in my life, I have pain in my life. I have rejoicing, I have difficulty. And all of it can be negotiated in God if we have his word to see us through. And that's just not theory. I know it from personal experience. I want to tell you I know it from the work that I do around the world. I see people who suffer in ways that I can't imagine. And yet I see them prevailing. I've I've given this testimony many times and I'll keep giving it because it's important. Rose in Pakistan was a woman who converted from Islam. And because of that, her own mother sent two Muslim guys with kerosene to set her on fire, and they succeeded. And when I was with Rose recently, after she'd gone through her medical treatment and we've got her into a safe house, she was shining with Jesus, and I was hurting through a circumstance I was going through. And I looked at her, and I just blurted out, Rose, how have you done it? How have you stayed so joyful? And she said, because Paul... It's perfectly reasonable to expect to find the very best of God in the very worst of circumstances. You can't do that without Jesus. You can tough it out in your own strength for a while, but in the end, that'll fail. So what I want to do today is look at Proverbs, specifically about speaking the truth. Now, speaking is all about words, right? You can't really say a lot audibly without words. You can say a lot, you know what it's like. When somebody says to you something that you don't like, your body can rankle and you can communicate very clearly that I don't like you and what you're saying, right? But speaking is all about words. And you'll find a lot of references in Proverbs about how powerful your words can be. So you'll have heard this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's wrong, isn't it? It is wrong, isn't it? Because words can... And they do hurt. And Proverbs, has plenty to say about the words we speak. So I'm going to rattle through some. They'll come on the screen, right? So Proverbs 11.9, evil words destroy one's friends. Wise discernment rescues the godly. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. I'll stop there for a second, because in our relationships with others, How often is it true that our emotions get the best of us and we don't speak gentle words? So if you take proverbs and read them and take them in as truth, it can actually modify your behavior. And then these become true. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. Proverbs 15.4, gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Proverbs 18, 4, a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. Proverbs 18, 20, words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. Proverbs 20:15. wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. Proverbs 25, 18. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. (laughs) Wow. And that's just a few. If our words are careless, like sticks and stones, they can hurt and they can damage people, but they can always damage us as well. If our words are careful... This is amazing. They can bring life and healing to people. They can bring life and healing to ourselves. The Proverbs also have a lot of verses that are about speaking the truth. And that's what I want to look at as briefly as I can uh, just now. So if you know the Proverbs, most people, when you're going to speak on truth from the Proverbs, think you're going to hit me now with stop lying. It's bad to lie, right? So I'm going to do that, but just for a little bit because... I want to get it out of the way because I think being deceitful and being lying is something we all know we should avoid. We don't always get it right, but we know we should avoid it. So if I was to do an appeal right now, and I'm not going to, so don't put your hand up, right? If I was to ask you all, is deceit a good thing, shouldn't get many hands going up, right? We already know that, don't we? There are some things we already know. So I'm going to pass over that subject very quickly. By reading Proverbs chapter twenty, Proverbs chapter twelve and verse twenty-two, because I think it says it all. It says this: "The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in those who tell the truth." Well, I think it says it all. "Detest" is a really strong word. Think about that. It doesn't say the Lord kind of doesn't get on very well with you when you know you lie. He detests it. That's a really strong word, isn't it? He detests. But I also think delight. It's not a word we use very often, but it's a strong word as well. So the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in us when we tell the truth. So what about the word detest because it's so strong? Well, I think it's because it has to do with the devil. It says the devil is the father of lies, right? So if we lie, in some way it has to do with the devil. It's like we're almost participating with the liar, right, when we lie. So I think that's why the Lord detests it. And to take that a bit further, just to prove it almost, I want to look at gossip now. So Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 28 says this. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Now that sounds pretty harmful to me. Gossip does have the power to bring division. And the proverb says it has the power not only to separate friends, but the best of So it's a real example of the power of our words and how we can use them. When we look in the New Testament at the word gossip or slander, we can find this word there, if it's on the screen. yeah, It's diabolos, and look at it in Titus chapter 2 as an example. And it's interesting that we get from the original language the word diabolos. Can anybody tell me what diabolos is? Or diabolos, we say. It's the word that we get the devil from. You musicians out there, you might know of a thing called the tritone or the augmented fifth. In old music, it was known as "diabolus in musica, the devil in music. So diabolos, the word that's used in the New Testament sometimes for gossip and slander, is diabolical. That's really, really strong. We get from Diabolos in other places, if you do a word search in the New Testament, it's the same word that is used for Satan, the devil, the false accuser, the slanderer, the father of lies himself. And if you look into Strong's Concordance, it will tell you that when you Diabolos, when you slander or gossip, you are doing the devil's work. You are partnering with him, and often you're partnering with him to bring strife, and division. So it's really, really strong. Psalm 133 says this How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. That's a good thing, isn't it? Right? In another version, it says the Lord commands his blessing. So unity in the church is so important because it brings the commanded blessing of God, right? Whereas unity brings division and the spoils of that. So it's really, really important that we work together in unity. So if you want unity, don't go around partnering with the devil in lying, gossiping, or slandering. Just don't do it. And if you do it, repent quick. Keep short accounts. Turn around and decide in your heart, I'm not going to do the devil's work in this church. And it does say in the scriptures that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. I want to tell you, I've been a Christian 36 years. I've been around a lot of churches and it's as common as muck for the devil to try and destroy unity. It's one of the things he does all the time and very often he just uses our words. The seeds we sow cause strife and disunity. So I'm gonna leave you to think about deceit and gossip and slander a bit more for yourselves and I want to turn now to Proverbs 18, 21. It says this, the tongue can bring death or life. The Message Bible, which is a modern paraphrase, puts it like this, and I love this. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. I love the Proverbs because they're straight to the point and blunt, they don't flower it up. They just go, this is it, live with it. And this is amazing. Your words are poison or fruit. You choose. Pretty blunt, isn't it? So I want you to pick up on this and remember it, because your words are important. They really do matter. They have the power to bring life or death. They bring the power to sow hope or doubt. Really, really powerful. And we all know the words that we speak can wound people. How many of you have wounded people with your words? That's an appeal, I have. I know I've done that. How many of you have spoken words and you've known they've brought life and hope? Yeah, I've done that. You probably all have. You get to choose which. You really do get to choose which. But before I go into this, I want you to know that whatever you've said before is gone. Whatever you've spoken of in the past, there's forgiveness. There's grace, right? You might need to pray. You might need to repent. You might even need to make restitution to somebody, like, I'm sorry. What I said was entirely wrong. I know it hurt you. Please, will you forgive me and start again? See, the good news is this, that as Christians have been born again this is a great word it's the first scripture i learned when i was converted in the army i used to learn bible verses i had little cards from the navigators and they were great because at naffy break at coffee break i used to go to the lads and give them the card and say will you test me which is brilliant because it meant that i could speak the word of god into their lives so this was one of the first i got you know if anyone is in christ they're a new person the old has gone the new has come wow I still love that scripture. I don't know about you, I want that good before I was the Lord's. Sometimes I'm still not that good, but I belong to him, and there's always forgiveness where there's repentance. So if you need to do business with God, go to see people, sort things out, put things right, do it, don't delay, don't be part of the devil's ploy to sow disharmony, just repent and restore relationships. So with that wonderful possibility of New life, being born again, fresh starts. I want to ask you a question. What kinds of words are you choosing to speak? Are you speaking words which are poison? Or do they bring fruit? Do they heal or do they harm? Are you choosing words that bring life to other people? Or do they die just a little bit on the inside when you speak to them? Think hard about that. Now, I've spoken words of both kinds. Um, And when I was preparing for this talk, I asked some friends to give me some examples of things they wish they'd never said. You know, sometimes you say something and it's gone, hasn't it? And if you're like me, you're like, you're trying to stuff it back in your mouth, but it's too late. Once you've said it, it's out there, it's gone. And when I asked my friends to give me um, some of those kinds of words, they gave me these. I'll get the funnier ones out of the way first. So this was said to somebody's daughter. I'll tell you what, why don't you choose where we go on holiday this year? He said to me, I wish I'd specified a budget. Right? So you need to be careful what you say. So this one was said to a friend. Yes, of course you can use my Amazon Prime account. Right? You need to be careful what you say, right? This was said to a young son who was going to buy a new phone from EE. It's all right, son. Use my credit card. My PIN number is 1234. <laughs> Stupid, eh? Maybe he should have communicated in a different way. But I want to move to the more serious ones that I received, and I've just pulled out a few. So this was said to a child. Son, why did you do that? You're so stupid. How many of us have said that? How many of us have heard that being said? Think about that. Son, you're stupid. I've heard it many times. One of the things I've learned is this. People might do stupid things, but it doesn't make them stupid. And the best thing to do with people who are doing stupid things is to encourage them and try and show them a better way. This was said to a husband, you make me so angry, I wish I'd never married you, right? And some of you will identify with that in the heat of the moment, right? But think about, does it bring life or does the person die a little piece on the inside every time you say something like that? There are better ways of doing it. You might say something like, look, I'm really sorry. It might be something your spouse has done. You say, I'm really sorry. I'm feeling angry at the moment. I'm going to take some time out. I'm going to calm down, think it over. And if you want, we'll come back and talk about it later. Better than, I don't want to be married to you, right? So think about the words we speak. This was said to a student, right? If you don't study more, you'll never amount to anything. How many of you have said that, heard that, right? Isn't it better to say to them, you know what? studying's really tough, isn't it? Do you want a break? Do you want a coffee? Can I bring you something? Can I help you? What's your room like? Can I help you organize? Is there anything you need? Not... If you don't study, you'll never amount to anything. Because if a young person, and many of our young people, live with negative images from the media, that word could be the final nail in their coffin of self-doubt. So words are really, really important. Another person said, told me this one, and they said it broke up a friendship. They just said, I don't trust you. End of friendship. Now, I won't go into the details around that, but it might have been better if they'd said something like, look, what you've said, what you've done has really hurt me, I'm sorry about that. That might just be my reaction. I'll come back to you later, we'll talk about it. But words have power and sometimes we need to put our brain in gear and use our brains rather than our emotions. Now sometimes, letting things go Extending grace and forgiveness to somebody without verbal retaliation is the best thing. But sometimes it's also helpful to bring correction because I'm not saying we should never correct people. Like in the church or in the family, if there's bad behavior, sometimes it might be best just to let it go. But if it carries on, you need to address it. So correction is important, but you have to do it in the right way. And if we correct each other, it can bring life, it can bring maturity, it can bring growth. So it's really important. Now in the New Testament there's a group of verses in Ephesians 4 which speak about this. Those verses are part of a bigger passage of scripture and it talks about unity again. It talks about the maturity of the church and they say this that as we speak the truth in love to each other we'll grow to become the mature body of Jesus Christ with him at the end the head. For him from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does, it, does its work. The world that you live in needs the church. Not the sort of religious claptrap that goes sometimes with the church. It needs the church, the body of Christ. Imagine what this town would be like if the church was mature and adult and grown up with every member fulfilling, gifting, calling and doing the right thing. Can you imagine how powerful would be with all this, the gifts of the spirit and so on. So we need to correct one another in order to bring people to maturity so that the body, I love it in the New King James Version, it says the body will reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can you imagine, Cleethorpes and Grimsby, if Jesus was walking around in the flesh? Can you imagine what it would be like? I want to tell you that you are his flesh. So if we can reach maturity, we will be his body walking around in the flesh. What would Crimsby and clean be like then? So correction is important, but we've always got to do it carefully. We've always got to do it with love and with consideration. I'm not going to say much more about that because it's obvious, but I want to read Colossians 3 verse 12 to 17 to you because it's really good and it's better than anything I could say. So here we go. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must... Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father wow so most of what i've said so far is about speaking truth to others what i want to do now is talk about how we speak truth to ourselves or not and to introduce this next collection of proverbs i want to read something to you and then i want to ask you a simple question the question i'm going to ask you is this who are they right ready so i'm going to read something and then i'll ask who are they I knew they were there, but I tried to ignore them and deny their existence. They controlled how I felt in the morning and when I went to sleep, even during my sleep. They would often cause my emotions to feel unstable, sometimes making me feel unstable too. They would dictate how I reacted to situations or conversations. They caused me to speak negatively to other people, often about other people. They often caused me to feel offended, angry or hurt, whether it was truly justified or not. They frequently reminded me of my shortcomings and flaws, making me feel inferior and often without value. They tried to pull me down with discouragement or hopelessness, stealing my peace and joy. They even tried to tell me my future was uncertain. Who were they? Who said that? Whoa, my mother said thoughts. I was going to maybe get some more answers, but that's the answer. (laughs) It saves a bit of time, doesn't it, if we get it right out of the bag. So, yeah, thoughts. So Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 23, says this. It's very interesting. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, the word heart in verse 23 in the original Hebrew is complex, and it's full of meaning. It means the center of your being. And as part of that, it has to do with your mind, it has to do with your thoughts, and it has to do with your character. Sometimes verse 23 is translated like this. Love this. Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. Stick your hand up if you think that's true. I mean, isn't that true? Though often we get towed down stupid roads and avenues because of what goes on up here and we don't rule it and we we haven't got an antidote sometimes for what's going on in our heads. This proverb's teaching us to be careful how we think because the quality of our thoughts can determine the quality of our lives. And I know this from personal experience. A while back in my own church, our pastor told us about Moses and how he was called by God to rescue God's people from Egypt. And Moses said something like this, but I'm not very good at speaking and what if they won't listen to me? Now, I do that all the time. Like, it seems that Moses was full of doubt and I'm like that often. Sometimes those voices are loud, right? So I lead this really precious ministry called Release International. It was started by Richard Vernbrand. I can't tell you ever since I started doing this, even before I started doing this, how many times I've thought I just am not good enough. right? In fact, I didn't go for the interview for a while because I was thinking there's got to be somebody better than me. But God had a plan for my life. And it's him who I needed to listen to, not my thoughts. Who's seen this before? Next slide. Who's seen that before? Anybody? Shout it up. Geico. Garbage in, garbage out. Does anybody know where it comes from? Sorry? Computers, absolutely. It's attributed to a guy called Wilf Hay. What a great name. I bet when he was growing up, people made fun of him. Never make fun of people, ever, because of their names and stuff like that, because it can really hurt. Wilf Hay. He's said to have come up with that phrase, the year I was born, 1965. Don't do the maths. It describes... The fact that in computering, if you put rubbish data in, you'll get a rubbish output. Garbage in, garbage out. So here's a quick example. Right, years ago when I was a youth worker, I sat down with a bunch of teenagers and I asked them a simple question. What do you think about yourself? And in conversation with them, these are some of the things they said back to me. I'm ugly. I'm rubbish at school. My sister's better than me. I hate my body. Some even went as far as to say, I hate myself. And one person later said to me, I want to die, right? Why do you think they felt that way about them? Why do you think? Garbage in, right? And our young people, we need to pray for them every day. They face this all the time at school. From the moment they start, they hear these messages, you're rubbish. The media hits them if you aren't this shape, if you don't look like that, if you've got zits, right? If you've got a big nose, big ears, whatever it is, that's your worth and that is your value and it is a complete and utter lie and if there's any young person here today that's struggling with self-worth or self-concept I want you to know this you're priceless you're worthy you're fantastic you're awesome God loves you right you don't care what you look like what you smell like you don't care whether your bedroom's tidy or untidy sorry parents right he loves you he loves you and ignore all that junk that comes your way because it is junk But as teenagers, what about you as adults? What are you putting in? What's going into your heads? What are you listening to? What's your life becoming because of the way you listen? So I've got some antidotes here. First of all, I want to read this. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Is it there yet? There you go. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't listen to it. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then, and only then, will you be able to test and prove what God's will is, God's good and pleasing will. Now, when that happens to me, one of the things I've done since I've been a Christian is try to adjust what's going in. Garbage in, garbage out. Truth in, life out. So I've put something on your seats. It's called who I am in Christ. I've deliberately said who I am in Christ, not who am I. Because that's one of the garbage in questions. If you're sitting like, who am I? You're you're, like asking a doubtful question. Who am I? This says who I am. It's deliberate. There's no question about this. There's no if, buts, or maybes. Everything that's on this sheet is absolutely true about you. It's who you are. So very quickly, John, I'm not going to read them all, but I am nothing less than God's beloved child. How many of you, when you say that, has some level of internal dialogue that goes, Well, I'm not sure about that. Maybe Hugh's God's child. But what but I'm not I'm not sure about me. Garbage in, garbage out. It says, take every thought captive under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So if the Bible says I'm nothing less than God's child, it's true. And it's my job to get in line with the truth, not argue with it. Right? I am a child of God. And yes, I still get the doubts. I still get the bad messages. But the antidote is to go, yeah, I feel that way. Yes, I'm looking that way, but I'm not going to believe it. And if I believe the opposite long enough, it will change my mind. It will transform me. So there's a whole bunch there. I'm going to just finish with one on that list. Listen to this, Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 8. God loves me. I've been chosen by him and I've been adopted as his child. He showers his kindness on me along with wisdom and understanding. I'm not stupid, right? God showers his wisdom and understanding on me. And I want to say this, our lives can be utterly amazing if we build them on the truth and not on garbage. Now, I don't mean our lives will be without pain and will be without suffering, But if we consistently build our lives on the truth, we can be like Rose, who after being burned with kerosene, is able to smile, forgive her persecutors, reach out to Muslims, and say it's perfectly reasonable to expect to find the very best of God in the very worst of circumstances. But I want you to know this as well. It ain't gonna work if you just listen to me today and go home and do nothing, right? Because change takes time. Did you know this, that uh, a habit can take between 15 and 84 days to develop, depending on what the habit is. So if you want a new habit, if you want a different way, start doing this on a regular basis. And I want to finish with this verse, Proverbs 23, verse 23. says this, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom and instruction and insight as well. Listen, You've heard some truth, not from Paul Robinson. You've heard some truth from the Word. You can take home all this truth, right? But it's only going to do anything if you commit to it. If you say, nothing else in my life is worth this truth. Only this truth is worth it. And there's a story, isn't there, in Matthew 13, where it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field, right? He wasn't interested in the field. He wasn't interested in all he already had. He was all, only interested in the treasure. And we all know, those of us that are saved, those of us that have given our lives to Jesus, the treasure is this, that once I was a sinner, I had my back towards God. I was going my own way, building my own life. And then all of a sudden, I got an understanding of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I turned around. Repentance is a Greek word, metanoia. You turn around and you go in a different direction. And we all turned towards God. And when we did that, he gave us his Holy Spirit. And it says this, when we receive the Spirit, we cry, Abba. Because all of a sudden, at that moment, I'm no longer just a number in the world I'm a person known by my Abba all of a sudden I'm a child of the living God and that's truth and if you don't know Jesus today if you haven't given your life to God if you haven't turned your life over to him I want to tell you this by truth as if it's the only thing that matters take your life and say all my life everything it is everything I've got you know what I'm giving it over to you God Because only then can you have wisdom. Only then can you know truth. Only then can you have freedom. Only then can you have the abundance of life that God promises. So if you don't do anything else, determine to understand what it means to buy the truth as if it's the only thing that's ever going to matter. Amen. Thank you.